Thank you for listening to this episode of No Days Off. Go ahead and leave a review on Apple Podcasts and Spotify, as well as subscribe to us to catch our main show that we do every week. Welcome back to another episode. I am your host, Wyatt. And today we're going to talk about quarterbacks. Specifically, we're going to talk about Aaron Rodgers and the implications of his new contract. Russell Wilson, if the Broncos are a contender. The Deshaun Watson trade to Cleveland. Whether or not the Commanders made the right move by trading for Carson Wentz. And the Colts' most recent trade for Matt Ryan. And I think that this offseason might have been the craziest offseason that we've seen in a long time. Not only what was there a ton of buildup going into this offseason, Russell Wilson possibly getting traded um, you know, from the Seahawks, Baker Mayfield in his frustrations with the front office, Aaron Rodgers and whether what he was going to do this offseason, whether he was going to retire, resign with the team, or demand a trade. And then, of course, Deshaun Watson, we've been kind of waiting for a decision to be made with him as well. So there's been a ton of buildup, and there's also been a ton of payoff as well because we've seen a lot of those pieces be moved around. And some other quarterback stories that happened before we get into the main pieces are a couple little things, whether or not you know they, they weren't really worth talking about in full length, but Kyler Murray is, is one that has been going on and off for a little bit now. His relationship with the Cardinals has gotten rocky, and there have been reports that he is immature kind of a me guy not really a leader they want to see some more growth out of him and I kind of was behind Jared on this take but I now think that Kyler Murray is massively overrated people put him in a category of top five quarterbacks I don't think that he's there yet he's maybe one of the five best talents in the league but as far as like a guy who actually has production who actually thrives in big moments who actually elevates a team. I'm not sure if Kyler Murray is exactly there yet. Go ahead and name his five biggest moments in his career. And then go ahead and compare those to guys like Josh Allen's five biggest moments in their career, uh, Patrick Mahomes' five biggest moments in the career, Tom Brady's five biggest moments, Aaron Rodgers, uh, you know, whoever the number five is, Russell Wilson, Justin Herbert. Compare it to those guys and tell me that he has those moments you know, equal to or better than them, especially in big moments. The one thing about the this whole situation, he deleted them off the, the the Instagram and whether that actually has any value. I'm surprised that there has not been a ton of trade news around Kyler Murray about other teams looking to go get him. I saw a quick little mock uh, jersey, jersey swap to the Vikings, but that's about like the most that I've gotten on the Kyler Murray story. Baker Mayfield, not really sure where he ends up. All the positions have been filled. He was linked to the Colts, and the Colts obviously traded for Matt Ryan. The The Browns don't have any need for him anymore either. He'll most likely find his way into a team like Seattle, Detroit, Houston, some New York Giants news. Uh, but, I mean, as far as like a lot of these teams go, the Giants I don't imagine trading for him because he's going to have a contract extension here soon. And he's not going to be a $35 million quarterback, but even paying a guy $17 million when you can get a rookie quarterback high end in next year's draft, depending on where the Giants finish up, or like we've seen, you can trade a couple first round picks for maybe a guy who is borderline top five. So, I mean, I don't really know what his value is to a lot of teams in the league. 
Seattle and Detroit may kind of look at him and be a guy who fits their culture, a guy who kind of keeps them afloat, who sells a couple tickets, who is just there and he's like this reclamation reclamation project and you know, you see what happens there. Mitch Trubisky signed with the Steelers and I thought that they should have looked for Kenny Pickett early in the, or higher up in this draft, you know, maybe Matt Corral or Sam Howell. Uh, and then as well, if they can't do that, look for a Marcus Mariota. Mitch Trubisky was not exactly on my list. He was a backup in Buffalo. And I think that one year off kind of skewed people's minds as to the quarterback that Mitch Trubisky became being, uh, you know, in Chicago. I think the the best backups never step on the field. And we kind of confuse those with being the most talented guys. And right now, it's a low risk, low expectation move. You could probably hold on to the 8-8 eight eight record. But, you know, Mason Rudolph was not very good. People saying that he's infinitely better than Mason Rudolph or Duck Hodges. I don't know if he's infinitely better. He's better, most likely. But... I mean, there's nobody to really go after, um, and not everybody is in the business of big game hunting. I just don't know if this move should be as exciting to people as like Mitch Trubisky will all of a sudden live up to the hype of being a top three, you know, NFL pick and the number one quarterback in a draft with Patrick Mahomes and Deshaun Watson. I don't know if that's <laughs> his future. Another quarterback in the same division, Lamar Jackson should be due for his next big contract. Like Josh Allen and Patrick Mahomes, they signed their contract with about one year left, depending on how you look at the fifth-year option. Um, and at, at this point, Lamar Jackson at least has achieved more than Josh Allen. And nobody's going to argue that Lamar Jackson is a better quarterback than Josh Allen. But to win your MVP in the second year, to kind of be one of these guys who is always viewed as a winner, it is a little interesting that he is not at least talked about as far as like a contract extension goes uh you know it, it feels like they're pretty far off and he and his mom are like they're his own agent so he doesn't have a real agent to represent him there could i feel like there could be a couple complications with that <clears throat> and i imagine the ravens do have some concerns about his availability Last year, we saw him miss some games due to injury, and he also lost some games in 2020 and then this last year to uh, COVID as well. So not that COVID, I mean, it might just be around forever, but not that COVID would stop somebody from signing you to a hundred and something million dollars, because at worst, you miss two games a season at, or four, something like that. But I think he should take a shorter deal, three years fully guaranteed, like Kirk Cousins did a couple years ago, maybe four years. I don't think he's going to get the five years, 230 that, that Watson got. Um, you know, I don't think he's going to get four years, 160 with 70 million guaranteed or a similar contract to Dak Prescott. I would just take a shorter three-year deal, fully guarantee it. Um, if he's concerned about injuries, if they're concerned about injuries, it gives them both an out within the next three years, of course. So, you know, it'd be interesting to see what happens with Lamar Jackson going forward. He luckily was a first-round pick, so they can use a uh, fifth-round option on him or fifth-year option. The main story is Aaron Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers signed a two-year contract extension or a four-year or a three-year contract extension, whatever he actually wants to call it. Um, he's certainly a polarizing player, but at least for me, he rubs a lot of people the wrong way. 
one of the things that bothered me the most is that it was always about the money. He was pretty smug and disingenuous. And a report broke out before he even signed the contract extension, you know, well before the talks had, had started or whatever, that he wanted to make $50 million and become the highest paid quarterback by a wide margin. He said that those reports were false, that, that that's not what he wanted. But obviously we saw that's exactly what he got. And then when the, argue, when the reports came out of what the deal was, he was arguing with reporters about the wording of his new deal, whether or not that was the deal he signed, he, that he had not been, you know, he was not going to be signing that deal. Or, you know, the, the, the way that the tweet was worded, he's the one going back and forth saying it was false and blah, 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 blah. And <clears throat> I don't have a problem with him actually making the money. As a back-to-back MVP winner, he deserves every dollar he can make. Good for him. But don't talk about Devontae getting his, saying that you that he deserves to be paid as one of the better players in the league. Talking about Devontae as saying that he was the best player you've ever been played with. And then strong-arming the team, who is strapped for cash, making them pay you $50 million. He could have got paid... $45 million. And maybe they would have kept Devontae. Maybe they would have had the cash to keep Zaria Smith. Stop trying to say it was about building a roster. It was about winning uh, mutual, mutual respects and you know common interests. It was always about the money. A while back, Rogers reflected on the way veterans were treated in the past, about them not getting their money in Green Bay and you know got, not getting their respect. And all that talk, just to, at the end of the day, make sure he was the only person collecting the loot. He was talking about himself. He talked a lot of tough about being on the fence, about wanting to leave, about retiring. And if he wanted to leave, then he should have left. He probably would have left. And if Aaron Rodgers didn't feel like the Packers are going to be the best team, uh, but the best roster put together, he should have left. But cut the shit. This was all about squeezing the life and leverage out of the Packers and being the center of attention. There was no better situation to win. Brian Gutenkoos is painted as this incompetent village idiot last offseason. They steered away from wide receiver, but they've always had a complete roster. Eric Stokes is a great pickup. Uh, Devondre Campbell was a guy that was that flunked out in Arizona. They always put together a decent roster. <clears throat> And Rodgers now getting as much as possible makes it way harder for the Packers to actually build a Super Bowl winner. Uh, apparently, Adams was uh, pretty much over all the drama in Green Bay. And why would, it, why would he sign five years if Rodgers was most likely going to be gone in two years or if this next offseason he's talking about retiring again? He was always going to be hard to retain. And I don't blame him for not wanting to play on the salary cap. He's mu- he's worth much more than that. He deserves much more than that from the Packers. But almost impossible when somebody's making $50 million. And especially if he made $30 million, I mean, that's like 50% of the cap. I mean, 30% of the cap, something like that. The Darius Smith, he just signed with the Vikings, but he was a cap casualty. Robert Tunyon going as a free agent. And for a guy who has been a choke artist in Rodgers 
in the playoffs the last past years, the new version of the Packers is certainly going to be inferior. Tom Brady and LeBron James are very unique. And Tom Brady is in a unique situation in life uh, where he's seen the fruits of his labors from pay cuts. In hindsight, it all makes sense. There's no guarantee that if you take a pay cut, you're going to win a championship. Tom Brady is married to a supermodel who also makes, you know, eight, nine figures a year. <clears throat> there are He's set up. He does not need a football salary necessarily to, to thrive financially. But LeBron James took a pay cut to play with Dwayne Wade and Chris Bosh when he was on his way to Miami. And you would expect, not to count somebody's pockets, but you would expect that Rodgers, who has touched more money than most people will ever see in their entire lives, including myself, who will probably go down as one of the top two highest paid football players of all time, would have enough to be able to say 40 million, 45 million, 47 and a half million is good enough. And let's go ahead and let's, let's make an actual push. But money talks and shit walks and he's going to have to overcome the void that the money that he is now making has created. And the only expectation for him is a Super Bowl, at least in appearance. So I'll eat my words. I'll apologize and I'll say that I was wrong if at, if at this time next year I'm talking about the defending Super Bowl champs, the Green Bay Packers, or even just the, sem- the defending Super Bowl attendees, the defending NFC champs, the Green Bay Packers. I'll, I'll eat my words on that, but it remains to be seen. The biggest rumor of the offseason was that Aaron Rodgers and Devontae Adams were going to find their way in Denver. And after the hiring of Nathaniel Hackett, it was kind of like a, a higher chance, almost a foregone conclusion that something like that was going to happen. Well, it didn't happen. Aaron Rodgers, of course, like I, we talked about, signed a contract extension with the Green Bay Packers and will most likely retire there. So they kind of moved on to their plan B and they added Russell Wilson, who has a Hall of Fame level career. He is a Super Bowl champion. Can you believe he's never received an MVP vote? I don't know if that's true anymore, but he and Seattle, their time was up. I felt like the breakup was inevitable and Wilson has been looking more since he signed in 2019 and uh, got a contract extension, a contract extension that actually was like took longer to happen than I think should have for what was in everybody's eyes, this fantastic relationship uh, Pete Carroll, such a uh, you know players coach, and Russell Wilson, such a team player. They were gonna have a contract extension like that, lickety split, no problem whatsoever. Patrick Mahomes signed his contract extension, no big deal. So the delay on the extension was a red flag. Uh, he wanted a new say in the offense and the offensive coordinator. I'd say that that was a red flag. And he had these fake trade demands this last offseason where he doesn't go into the front office and demand a trade. But here are the list of four teams that I would go to, you know, and he, I don't blame him for wanting to get away from Pete Carroll. Pete Carroll wanted to have a run game as a significant part of the offense. When you're a coach who has had success, as much success as Pete Carroll has in both levels, the college and NFL, you become 
stubborn in your age. And he, for a guy who didn't have a lot of success in pre Russell, it's kind of hard to look at him and be like, you are definitely still this super smart, like you can do anything type coach. But I don't really blame him for leaving. I think it was a dead end. There's no more LLB. There wasn't exactly a huge influx of new talent. Uh, DK for every DK and Tyler Lockett, there was an LJ Collier and uh, Rashad Penny. And DK was lucky because they, they passed on him twice to get him. Seattle was presented with a choice between Wilson and Carroll. And I think that they should have tried something new at head coach rather than trade Wilson. And if you listen to our weekly show, you'll know I'm not exactly a huge Wilson fan. Uh, I don't think Wilson is a perfect player. I can't say I'm a fan of his game. And despite being this selfless, focused team leader, Wilson has tried to play hero ball more often than not. I think the Let Russ Cook campaign was one of the worst things that happened to him. The box score doesn't show a bad player, but he holds the ball way too much. He walks himself into too many sacks. He doesn't run the ball himself. Uh, and he is always trying to go for the home run. He, he wants the big play. I have this comment about LeBron, and I, and I very much like LeBron. I'm not comparing the two, but LeBron does this thing where LeBron falls on the ground. He gets hit in the eye. Uh, you know, a piece of dirt falls in his eye. <clears throat> and he lays on the ground. And he, like, pounds his the hardwood. And he's like, man, it, this, you can tell he's in so much pain. He wants us to believe that LeBron James is in so much pain. And how can anybody overcome this? And then he gets up and he's fine. And he wants to be the hero where everyone goes like, this is fantastic. This is, I mean, this is like a top three player that we've ever seen. And I think Wilson is trying to be that guy. Cause he wants the deep ball. He wants the home run play and he plays a lot of hero ball. And Despite being a bright spot in a bad situation, I don't agree that he is a guaranteed 10-win player uh, because he hasn't won 12 wins since, you know, that 2015 Super Bowl run, or he's only done it once. And, you know, over the last couple of years, we've seen a steady decline in the box score in, in the play of Russell Wilson. He also hasn't had a single playoff game win in five years, or he has, sorry, one single playoff game in the last five years. Doesn't make him a bottom feeder, but he's not a top five QB, and he's definitely not an elevator. <clears throat> Tom Brady and Matt Stafford set a trend uh, that it's easy to pick the, the biggest trade at the time, you know, and <laughs> now Wilson isn't even the biggest trade anymore, but at the time that he was traded, he was the biggest trade. He probably set off this whole QB carousel thing. And when Stafford got traded, everyone goes, the Rams are definitely going to win a Super Bowl. I thought so too. When Tom Brady, you know, signs with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, Tampa Bay is now the Super Bowl favorite. We think that they're going to win. And I don't think that the Broncos are actually Super Bowl contenders. And on the day I'm recording this on March 22nd, it's not hard to say that when Devontae Adams and Chandler Jones went to the Raiders, Khalil Mack and J.C. Jackson went to the Chargers, Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs still exist with Frank. They restructured Frank Clark and uh, Chris Jones to be able to have their contracts ready. 
I don't look at the Broncos as a team that is going to win 10 games that is going to be significantly better. Brady and Stafford went to significantly better in different situations than Wilson is walking into. The NFC is a lot easier. Uh, They're not the best team in their own division. They last year were the fourth best team in their own division. They probably move up to being the third best team in their own division. Bradley Chubb and Randy Gregory versus Max Crosby and Chandler Jones. I would take I would take the Oakland Raiders or the Vegas Raiders between Khalil Mack and Joey Bosa. I would take the Chargers and probably you know between Chris Jones and Frank Clark. I would take those two. Jerry Judy and Car- and uh, Cortland Sutton versus Mike Williams and Keenan Allen, Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey, Darren Waller and Devontae Adams. I would take all of those guys over those two. And they have the definitely the worst O-line out of that division. Maybe the Raiders do have a worst one. But, I mean, then what? Your third best? And then the coach is unproven and overall worse than Sean McVay. And Bruce Arians. And while Jameis Winston was still in Tampa, he was putting up numbers. If he didn't throw as many inter- interceptions, it would be a statistically far better season. But he threw 30 touchdowns and 5,000 yards. He also had 30 interceptions, but that's, that's a him problem. Cooper Cup, we just saw, set the NFL NFC record last year. Excuse me, the NFL reception record last year and Jerry Judy and Cortland Sutton are not these sleeping giants. I don't think the Broncos are the sleeping giants. Neither of those players have had anywhere close to the level of production that we've seen Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, uh, Cooper cup, how Robert Woods had over these last couple of years. A couple years ago, everyone was picking the second-year MVPs uh, after Mahomes and after Lamar Jackson won them to to win him. But Kyler Murray didn't win an MVP in his second year. Justin Herbert didn't win an MVP in his second year. So I think that that trend has died down also. It's okay to not pick the Broncos as a Super Bowl contender. It's okay not to pick them to win the division. I know that they have the flashy new toy, but sometimes you can get better without being the best. The Cleveland Browns made a pretty big splash play over this offseason. They had a pretty rocky relationship with Baker Mayfield. It had built up a lot over the last year or so, and I don't think the shoulder injury really helped Baker Mayfield's chances of staying with the Browns. So they go and they trade three first-round picks, one of the biggest draft, biggest trades of draft capital we have ever seen in the NFL, and they trade for Deshaun Watson from the Houston, Houston Texans. And I think it would be extremely disingenuous for me not to talk about the sexual misconduct allegations that he has against him. As of right now, they're just allegations. Uh, It would be unfair to both sides to automatically assume a verdict on my own. Uh, Logically, I should have no perspective, considering I have no inside knowledge. I'm not one of the two people who were in the room. But statistically... Having 22 outstanding sexual allegations is a hard number to overcome. And just because he was proven not guilty on 10 does not constitute this 
triumphant return to the NFL because even if just one of those allegations materialize into a legitimate case, it's too many. And I try not to get emotionally invested in the situation, but emotionally it's hard for me not to, or hard for me to really get excited about anything involving him right now. It's an uncomfortable situation to talk about. I think it has steered a lot of shows away from talking about him. There is no pretty or political way to talk about these type of situations, but, and that's why it's even more important to have conversations about the things that even make us uncomfortable. But the toughest pill to swallow in this whole situation is that he almost got exactly what he wanted or the best possible outcome for a guy in this situation. I don't like the adult in the room conversation comments made by the Browns. Um, They wanted somebody more mature. So they trade for somebody with 22 sexual assault allegations against them. They did a extensive comprehensive investigation and the end result was them structuring his contract to changing his base salary to $1 million so that in an inevitable suspension happens, it doesn't hit as hard for them. I believe in second chances for a lot of players. They just don't normally materialize to $230 million guaranteed. And there's going to be a suspension coming. The league does not and should not try to be this moral high ground um, this judge, jury, executioner, where they do the right thing. Um, everybody was up in arms about the Calvin Ridley suspension, but the leagues also can't have players gambling uh, attached to their name, attached to the name of the NFL as a brand. And Deshaun Watson, in this case, have dragged the shield through the dirt. So I imagine that they're going to look poorly on him if, one, the public backlash, and two, just the overall buzz surrounding a player like that, you know, is able to play, you know, a handful of games, any games at all this year, especially with the contract restructuring, the league might not take too kindly to that. It might suspend him for the entire year. Who knows? Dave Tepper has been proven that he is and wants to be the most aggressive owner in the league. He has all the money in the world to spend. He's the richest owner in the NFL. And when a team gives a player a guaranteed contract, they have to have that money to spend. They have to have that money written in an escrow or put into an escrow account for, you know, so they they can have it whenever they need to or whatever, however that works contract-wise. Dave Tepper would not guarantee the rest of Deshaun Watson's existing contract, let alone give him five years, $230 million guaranteed. So it's kind of just a disgusting, emotionally draining move by the Browns. Uh, Like I said, it's hard for me to get that excited about it. You would hope that none of this happened or that it was all made up because that's the only way that this goes away. But, you know, selfishly, that's, you know, just to make me be able to be excited about watching the Browns play. But, you know, it's, it's also kind of one of those things that I just I don't feel like I care. As a player, you know, as players, they probably got better. But I really, I'm not going to go through the rest of my notes on them. I just don't think that it's worth my time. And at the end of the day, I'll just say that they should win their division. You know, good for them.
Carson Wentz got traded away from the Colts. They wanted to move on from a guy who isn't exactly very self-aware, uh, very personable, uh, a, a good leader. <clears throat> and when the Colts said that they, they weren't happy or reports had started to come out that they weren't happy, apparently Carson Wentz was shocked. Come on, dude. You got to read the room just a little bit. Why don't you kind of look at yourself in the mirror and have a little bit of reflection and be like, okay, maybe, maybe there's something wrong here. Maybe I have a little bit of a red flag attached to me. But at the end of the day, the Colts moved on from him and the commanders get, you know, another man's trash, which hopefully they're hoping to be is their treasure. But this is an all time desperation move from, from any team I have ever seen. This is pretty bad when it comes out that they have called everybody about the availability of their QBs and called the Chiefs, probably short conversation. Um, You know, they wanted to go and get Russell Wilson. Uh, They said the, the Seattle Seahawks said no. But was Kyler Murray not available? Was Baker Mayfield not available? What about Ryan Tannehill? Did anybody else say that they would give you a quarterback or were the Colts the only people willing to make a deal with you? I wouldn't be too excited about Washington's offense or what it's going to look like. He's probably better and more consistent than Taylor Heineke, who I think was a really fun player to watch. Like I said about Mitch Trubisky, the best backups are the backups that don't play, or at least they don't play for more than three games. So, Taylor Heineke has a role with the team. I think that he's going to be able to win them one out of three, two out of three games. But Carson Wentz can probably win you about anywhere from 50 to 60% of the games for you. But when the time gets tough, you'll have to run more. You have to have more of a focus on other parts of your team that are going to be able to overcome. If the defense comes together, they might have a chance. If Antonio Gibson can stay healthy for the whole season, they might have a chance. But Carson Wentz is not a very competitive guy, apparently. he If Taylor Heineke has a chance or has a really good three-game stretch during um, some injury that Carson Wentz might suffer, it could ultimately be their downfall. And he's crumbled in big moments down the stretch anyway. Losing to the Jags is a terrible thing to have on your resume for a team that is now picking number one overall this year. But they're going to need a really good health a bill of health out of Samuel and Gibson and they'll most likely add another wide receiver in the draft. But you know, the Ron Rivera and company, they're fighting for their jobs. The the division is very winnable. Dallas is going to take a step back with some cuts. The giants we know are in a full rebuild. And I think the Eagles are going to be the team to beat. But if this experiment fails and the Carson Wentz, you know, experiment ultimately leads them into the same spots, finishing third, you know, maybe second in that division. It's a loss. The NFC East is wide open. You know, the the NFC as a whole outside of Green Bay, outside of the Rams and Tampa Bay is pretty much wide open. Everybody's job is on the line if they can't, you know, make some sort of big move, you know, towards the future. If Carson Wentz doesn't show any sort of progress towards close to 
a guy that we think can win Super Bowl or whatever that might be. And this is his last chance as well to prove that he can actually be a starting quarterback because they can cut him for no dead money. And if that happens, he's a backup. But, you know, as a guy who's not very competitive, is he going to sign up for that? And from the Colts' perspective, they move on and they go and get Matt Ryan. And I don't think anybody is a bigger fan of Matt Ryan, Matthew Stafford, and Derek Carr than I am. I've pounded the table for Matt Stafford to be moved to a better situation for, you know, the the year pretty much prior of us having a podcast. And I thought that Derek Carr's talent or, you know, his ability was being wasted in Vegas up until, you know, about a week ago. And for the Falcons, the timetable didn't match up. They weren't going to be able to rebuild at all with Matt Ryan's cap hit at all. And I don't think that's an indictment on Matt Ryan, but Julio Jones is gone. A lot of other talented players on that roster are gone. Calvin Ridley is pretty much as good as gone you know, for being suspended this year. It was a good run. He won an MVP. They made it to the Super Bowl. But that time is over. And it's time for Matt Ryan and the Falcons to both start a new chapter on their own. Same with Payne Manning and the Colts. One day it's over. And the Colts, ever since Peyton Manning and Andrew Luck, have played it safe. The transition from Peyton Manning to Andrew Luck was one of the better transitions we've ever seen in the NFL. Uh, Brett Favre and Aaron Rodgers, they have a very famous, you know, the Packers have a very famous moving from one quarterback to another. But I think that the Colts move, although short-lived, feels just as impressive. Most of us can agree that Andrew Luck would have been one of the three best quarterbacks in the NFL today, I think. And probably, you know, an MVP or a Super Bowl champion now at this point. Ever since Luck retired, they have been scorned. It's kind of like when you get dumped in high school and you just start avoiding relationships altogether. You're like, oh, I'll, I'll never love again. And maybe I'm meant to be alone and you have the sob story. But they've kind of made some pretty safe moves. They never really invested that much in the quarterback position. And much like the loss that um, the Broncos had after Peyton Manning left, after Andrew Luck left, they've kind of been, you know, middling at the position for a while. And Phillip Rivers was the best that they've had, and they made the playoffs with Phillip Rivers. And if Matt Ryan can be Rivers as a floor, I think they're in good shape. I think he's significantly better than that. But, you know, they're both aging quarterbacks at that point in their career, and hopefully with Frank Reich they can kind of put together a decent offense. And, the, you know, the roster around Matt Ryan today is better than the roster that was around Phillip Rivers. So I think that they're going to be in better shape. Despite, you know, playing it safe for a while, they've made some small moves that have built to a team that's ready to build now. They draft the best guard in football, Quentin Nelson, you know, the number six overall pick that year, number four overall pick. They get DeForest Buckner in a trade, who's one of the three best D tackles in the league. Darius Leonard is probably one of the three best linebackers in his position. Jonathan Taylor might be the best running back in the league. And Michael Pittman is a fantastic young wide receiver. And, you know, with a lot of these small moves, you'd expect them to go and get another small-time quarterback. And Baker Mayfield was linked to the team for a while. 
but they could not afford another home renovation. They couldn't go and they couldn't try to rebuild Baker Mayfield the same way they tried to rebuild Carson Wentz. I did not even consider Matt Ryan as a trade possibility once the Broncos and Browns got a new QB. And although this is like another like low risk move, this was absolutely the right move. A third rounder is nothing for a guy who just won an MVP or not just one, but has won an MVP who has some level of him left. Hopefully you have two more years of juice out of him. I think that this puts the Colts on top of that division. I wouldn't be surprised, you know, if you see them in our power rankings and I put them as a top three team again, maybe as a preseason power rankings. I love the Colts, man. But that's going to do it for this episode. Go to subscribe to our other shows on our feed at Lunchpail Guys. We do the Lunchpail Guys podcast every week, and Jared is putting together some good shows uh, called Pit Stop based on F1. So if you like F1, go ahead and watch the Drive to Survive series on Netflix. That's what got Jared into it. And then he has a lot of great commentary. He and Lucas joined together uh, a lot of those times to listen and talk about F1. Thank you guys for listening. I will see you guys next week.